1: Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? This is an amazing podcast. I am very excited uh, to put something. You know, just like when we film, we get these, we get these really gold nuggets in where we're like, wow, this is it's good content because it's it's going to teach you guys a lot. And this is one of those episodes uh, with the dog owner who loves her dog, but um, given the circumstances, the dog is basically looking like an a hole because. He's just in a bad environment. And so we go through a lot of different stuff uh, in this. It's a reactive shepherd that's on a back tie living in an Amish community with an individual that can't put the dog in the house and they have to live in the washroom and there's a disability involved. There's just so much. And so there's a lot of lessons, a lot of nuggets in here that I know you guys are going to pull from. So... I hope that this helps. Uh, Just remember, you guys, my UK dates for this year, 2022, uh, me going over to the UK are now available. Link in the description below. Um, I'm going to be heading over to the UK at the end of September, putting on a clinic like we did last year. It was a very magical, very fun thing. Um, Such a big progress, such a big push for the balanced dog training community in the UK, Um, And and I was uh, lucky enough to help kind of connect the dots of these people that are kind of like you know, in their own thing, like doing their own thing. And now I'm seeing such a flourishing community going on over there, not just because of me, but um, it's cool to see all the people that came to my seminar that are all networking and meeting and talking. And it's, it's, it's really lovely. So anyway, um, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to meet you guys. There's audit spots and working spots available. And of course we re- we released our remote collar uh, course, which we're getting a lot of great feedback on. And if you guys want to purchase that, it's in the link description below as well. I hope you guys, well, make sure you listen to the end because I'm going to be answering your dog training questions. Well, let's get into it.
2: Um, we do have a Herm Springer 2.25 and that take care of our issue with leash pulling. And um, we also have uh, a remote collar uh, that has helped. He's a two-year-old male German Shepherd and uh, we're having really severe problems with his very reactive to bicycles. Where we live, and we live in an Amish community where there's a lot of bicycle riding back and forth. Um, he, uh, we have worked with him. To, he's not reactive to trucks anymore or, or uh, motorcycles anymore, but just bicycles for some reason. And he goes crazy, running in circles. Uh, unfortunately, the landlords we have right now do not want him in the apartment that we rent. So he does. He is on a chain when he's outside. We're we're with him all day long, and we exercise him several times a day. Okay. Plus, we also take walks. So um, I have planned it for a, a young man to come by on his bicycle, so you can see exactly what he's doing. Uh, I can't, can't get this to stop with the remote shock collar, and but then what happens is that he that he never barks at all anymore. And when he doesn't bark, you know, the, I, I want to find the balance between, I want him to still bark and notify us that somebody's coming, but yet not get so wound up. He actually got loose uh, last two weeks ago. This is what prompted the, the appointment. And he ran after, uh, it was our landlord. They are Amish and they ride bicycles a horse and buggy too, but bicycles. And, uh, he ran after one of them and he, uh, the, the landlord, he, when he, uh, when he stopped the bike, um, he tried to, when he was trying to get off of it, to put the bike between him and Ruger, our dog. Oh, he's already back. Okay. So that's not going to work. Anyway, um, you've seen it a million times. I watch your videos a lot, you know, jumping up and down, running in circles. Um, he's broken several collars. He's extremely powerful as you all probably already know. Um, he's 89 pounds. He's an intact male German shepherd. I have my glasses off. I can't see too good. <laughs> okay. And then, um, I think I've got it now, honey. Um, so he grabbed his pant legs and he bit, he bit, it has bite marks in it. Um, I'm very concerned about this because, um, they, they could call the authorities and cause all kinds of problems for me because of this. So this, this is the main issue I'm having is where do I find, you know, do I continue to just zap him when he acts like that? But then he will
1: no longer bark at all if I do that. Okay, so <clears throat> you know when, when you're when you're doing remote collar training, it it takes quite a bit of time to introduce the remote collar properly, and it takes a, quite a bit of uh, of foundation work before you ever use the collar as a correction and using any stimulation. So it, it's it's not you can't just put it on them and then correct them. That doesn't work. It, that's that's going to make things worse.
2: Or- We've done that a couple of years ago. Sorry for interrupting you. That's okay. But yeah, we have uh, gone through a lot of the the training on the e collar and how to use it properly. We don't use your e collar because I just I'm very low income. I'm a disability. So, uh, but I did get one off of Amazon and it does work. It's called Dog Care. And just just so you'll know that I've done everything that I know to do to introduce him, and we've been working with him and the caller for about a year now.
1: Okay. So, okay, let's back up a little bit. So you're, right now, I, I don't have any videos from you, but I can try to find them in a minute. Right now, when you're, what is your biggest problem right now? So when he's, when he, it just sounds like, out of all of those problems, there's something going on on your end. You're doing something. You've got to be doing something terribly wrong with all of those things that are happening with like breaking collars, uh, running after people, running after people on bikes, ripping pant legs, not listening, all of those things. Whenever I hear these huge accumulation of things, it's always almost every time a gigantic accumulation of a dog owner doing something that, that is not even in the same wheelhouse. So let's go over when he, when he's reacting to people on bikes. That sounds like your biggest problem, right?
2: Yes, and it happens when I'm not with him. But he's on. He, whenever he's outside, he has to be on a chain because of the landlords. That's, otherwise, I have to get rid of him. Okay. So they're allowed to keep him, but he has to be on a chain. They're also deathly afraid of him because he's a German shepherd. Okay. They don't like dogs or scared of dogs, um, so occasionally he gets loose. He has uh, broken the buckle. I, by, I've, been, I've spent so much money on collars, Tom—nylon collars, leather collars. We've shored him up.
1: Okay, so if if what do you have to leave him outside? Can you leave him inside?
2: I can leave him in a washroom which is a little bit distant from the house the way the house is laid out um i can get to him quickly within three seconds um we have it all set up so i can get to him quick but he's not allowed in the actual living part of the house like the living room the dining room the kitchen i wish he could be i would love to have him in my bedroom with me every night but he's not allowed uh but they have uh with with a lot of arguing and requesting and promises they've said, okay, he could be in the washroom. So I could take you if you want to see him. No,
1: I don't, Uh, I don't, I don't need to see him. I I just think, I just think that you're going to have to, you're going to have to really get things under control uh, because it, it sounds like a lose, lose for the dog because he can't, he can't go inside and he can't behave outside. That's what it sounds like. So, I I just, I just think like if if he's this reactive, you're going to have to spend a quite a bit of time to to really manage this situation. Are you, are you home most of the day?
2: I am. And we, the way we managed and got him used to trucks was I would take him to a park and uh, it used to be, he had to stay in the car, but slowly was giving him positive reinforcement, lots of treats to, to desensitize him. I was able to desensitize him to motorcycles, bikes. I'm sorry, not bikes, cars, trucks, uh, but bicycles and also children. Uh, he, he, I'm uh, really nervous because he'll look at a child that's playing on a playground and he's very uh, unpredictable. Sometimes he'll be fine. Other times after he looks at that child and they make eye contact, usually, uh, he'll start to run after them. And that's when I will give him a little zap. I, I, the,
1: so when the, when he when you say that he runs after these children, what it what do you mean? Like are they in your backyard with him?
2: Oh, we go to a park. Uh, we will go to a okay. community street. That's where I walk him and exercise him a lot, with frisbee throwing and things like that when no one's around. Uh, but he does listen well to me. I do have good recall on him. And I thought we had a pretty good relationship. Um, obviously, it's not as good as it could be. I can't spend copious amounts of time with him because of usually it's my health. Um, but um, I know that you know, we don't have history talking with history. You don't really, really under, know what all I've done. So I'm trying to quick give you a glimpse of what I've been working on with him. But for some reason for the bicycles, Okay, hold the right now. Oh boy. I don't know if you can
1: see that. See that? No, got to, got to go down. There. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So he's, you know, that's just a, that's just a situation that's gonna make most dogs frustrated and that's what you're that's what you're dealing with is you're dealing with frustration and you're dealing with a dog that's on a tie back and he's he's seen a bunch of people go by him and it's making him very frustrated and so he's he's probably always going to do that unless you change his environment and how he lives because you can't control the environment that's going on around you and he doesn't have enough balance in his life to be successful the way he needs to because he needs balance and right now he doesn't have balance so he's he's getting put outside and when he's reacting he doesn't have any it's just making it worse because he because he has to be on a long line it's making it worse you see what I'm saying like he's on a long line so he's out and when when a bicyclist goes by or something goes by that's what is the, the the long line is what's frustrating him the most. It's making it worse. That's why when he does get off of that thing, he goes and he just explodes all of this energy on whatever he's barking at. So you're gonna have to really spend a good amount of time with handling him outside and working on him being calm and working on him being relaxed with you uh, when you're handling him. Because I've I, to be honest, like I've never heard all the stuff that you've said is it's, it's the amount of stuff that you've said that he's done tells me that there's something going on with your relationship with him because I've never heard of that. I've been doing this a long, a long time and I've never heard of all of those things happening to one particular dog breaking multiple, multiple leashes, breaking multiple long lines. Um, that stuff is like, there's, there's, there's a lot of human error gotta be going on with that because, I've never heard of all of that stuff happening to one dog. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's like, I, it feels like something's happening where whatever his environment is and whoever situations he's in, he's being put in these situations and these environments because all of the stuff you've told me so far, I've, I don't think I've ever heard happening to one particular dog. It's like, there's a lot of, there's something going on there. So I, it just seems to me like he, he needs, he needs more attention Um, and he needs more mental stimulation. So if you can't, and that's why it's hard because, and from what you've told me, correct me if I'm wrong from what you've told me is he has to be on the long line essentially. And he can't be off because he doesn't listen off leash. He can't be inside because your landlords won't let him inside and you don't have good enough health to spend time with him training. Is that Correct.
2: I can spend some training usually in the evenings and at nighttime. I do take him for walks around where we live in the evening with the Hermspringer. The Hermspringer has made it very easy for me to walk him before we had the gentle leader Mm -hmm. and it was a constant tugging and he's powerful and knocked me down once. And I fractured my elbow when he knocked me down. And, uh, that was, uh, a year ago, last January, he no longer jumps. Um, the, so he he is getting better through all these little things. I see all the tiny steps. But at this point, I feel like I'm trying to save his life. Because the listeners are, are saying, you know, now I'm out quite a bit with him. it's right where he is tied is our wash line. So I'm, I'm out there quite a bit with him throughout the day. And he also, we do take him off the leash and exercise him with frisbee throwing two three times a day i walk him about a mile of um, a day and then we also uh two three times a week take him to a local park where there's children and very busy skateboarders and and it's a friend, dog friendly park mm-hmm. but he does fine after we've been there a little while he like calms down and will sit down on a bench but if anyone comes very close to us he becomes reactive he does he's never been anyone yet but um he doesn't want people to come real close to him he doesn't want people coming close to myself and um and and i'm okay with that kind of tom because i do want him to protect me and so i don't know where the line is between having your dog not be reactive to people but you know, yeah yeah so, and the same thing with the barking. Um, I could use the remote collar and make him never bark again, which I think would be cruel and abuse. But yet, see, I want him to bark when a biker comes by. Say, hey, somebody's coming on a bike. But yet, I don't want him to act like that because it's not good for him.
1: Yeah. So you you don't have the um, you don't have the amount of control with him to make that decision though. That's the thing. Like. When he's barking on the long line like that, and he's freaking out at a dog, and you want him to do that, you don't have nearly enough control to be able to stop it right when it's happening. That's the.
2: I, I do sometimes. I I use a hamburger treats, raw hamburger, because of you. He's on the raw diet now, and uh, I have extra hamburger or venison, and uh, I uh, and he has a favorite toy. It's called his little red thing. And so um, if I say, go get your red toy, if he, if I'm right there, he doesn't react to the bicycles. It's when I'm not there. So I try as much as I can. As soon as I hear him bark, I try to get right out there as fast as I can. And then I'll say, thank you, good boy. And then I'll give him the quiet command. Most of the time he listens. And when I say, good boy. Okay.
1: Uh, so what, so, so I guess I'm just trying to figure out what, what the, what's the problem then I I'm having a well, hard t- time seeing the problem it, here
2: The intensity of his reactiveness, him chasing a biker down and bites the pant leg. It could have been the leg.
1: Um, right. But that, that's kind of, that's exactly what I'm saying though, is you don't have that control. That's, that's exactly what I'm saying is you don't have the control that if this dog is off leash or this dog is on leash or this you're inside and he's barking outside, you don't have that control to make those decisions. So if, if you, if you ground up some hamburger and go out and hush him and stuff him as he's barking in between eating patterns, that's not control. That's what I'm saying is, is when you, when you, when you, when he starts to bark and you go out the window and you say, leave it, he should stop. Or if he gets off the leash and he sees a biker and he runs, he should stop you don't have that control. That's what I'm saying is I don't think it's fair or realistic for you to say, Hey, I, I only want you to bark when it's convenient. And when I want you to, you don't have the control to, to turn that lever on and off right now. I don't think.
2: Right. I don't.
1: So I think, I think for him, he's getting confused because if he's barking at a child on a bike or he's barking at somebody, a neighbor on a bike, and you're going out there and you're heavily paying him with hamburgers and treats and all these things and then he stops you're you're paying him for barking and then you're coming inside and then you don't want him to bark so like i said before like if you had this crazy obedience with him and you could really just turn it on and off at any given time i don't think that that would be unrealistic but right now you don't have the control and obedience to have that on and off switch okay you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand what you're saying. we like, you do have that control, but somebody who zooming all the way out in your relationship, you don't, because it's like, let's play back a little bit. So it's, I only want him to bark when I think it's appropriate for him to bark. And then I say, well, I don't think you really have the amount of control that you need to to, to be making those decisions for him. And then you say, well, I do, because if I go in and I get out raw hamburger and I go out there and I pay him as he's barking, he knows that it's okay for him to bark during that time. And then when I say quiet or hush, he sometimes stops. That's not control. That's, that's just getting lucky. Maybe when you go out there at the right time, he might stop, but I, I want you to be able to turn around in your chair and say, Ruger, leave it. Boom. And he stops. Or if he, if he gets unclipped out out of that, out of that, that thing that he's on and he's running after somebody, you say Ruger come and he does it. You don't, that's what I'm saying is you, your, your expectations of control isn't realistic right now at this point in your relationship.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um, the barking doesn't bother me as much as his actions. You're running after a biker that's biting humans is not acceptable.
1: <laughs> right. But and- I also, but I also think like judging by this situation and in myself being an experienced, you know, dog control officer and looking at the environments that he's living in, it's also not fair for him not to get frustrated when these things are happening because he's on a tie back that's eight feet long and he sees somebody and he's coming up, bark, 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 dropping down, coming up, bark, 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 dropping down. So he's also been put into the, this like zoo like atmosphere where people are basically running by him and, 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 and teasing him. And then when he gets off that leash, he goes and he just, he doesn't attack anybody, but he might bite somebody. Like you got to understand that the decision to bite that dude's pant legs is a decision. He could go up and bite that guy's ankle and break it in two seconds, but he didn't. He's just like, Hey, you guys are, you guys are moving. I'm back here doing nothing. And all day long, I see y'all out here going back and forth. And when I'm finally out of this harness or this setup that I'm on this, this this boing, boing, boing system that we're in, I'm going to go and I'm going to chase you. And I'm not going to attack you. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to physically, it's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not an emotional thing. And that's, that's what I think is happening is, is he's in an, he's in an unrealistic environment to be, to be safe and to be successful. Because what I'm hearing from you is, is like, it's life or death. But if I had that dog within 48 hours, I'd be able to bring him anywhere I wanted to without any problems. And so I think just because of the situation that he's in, is I don't I don't think you should even be having the conversation of life or death with this dog before you should be having this conversation of getting getting a new home for the dog because right now I don't see you know no bad dogs right I don't see a dog that you would even like right now judging by everything that you just told me and you even bring up the conversation of like I don't want him to be put down or I don't want him he's being set up in a really unfortunate situation because he can't get out of the situation he's in. He's a frustrated, intact, young German shepherd that's on an eight foot tie back that's watching bikes go back and forth all day long. And he he needs he needs more control than that. He can't just, it's just like leaving him out there to see what, it's just like, it's not gonna be fair for him. And I And I'm not blaming you and I'm not saying it's your fault because I know that the circumstances right now are just unfortunate for you because you can't bring him inside. I'm just kind of laying out what I'm seeing And so I I just want, I just want to bring that up into conversation because I don't, I don't want you to think that you would have to um, put him down or get rid of him because of these situations. Because like I said before, before I even saw him reacting or before you told me what type of training you've done, considering everything you dumped on me in the very beginning, I straight up told you like the amount of things that have happened with this dog so far in his life of only being one years old, there's gotta be something terribly going wrong with management here because that's a lot of stuff to happen that, that quick.
2: Okay. He is, he is two and a half, but still even two and a half. Oh yeah. I wrote that down. Sorry. Um, that's okay. So, um, yeah, so we are looking for another place. Just so you know, we we have uh, this is his second place. He's I've had him since he was ten weeks old, but this is the second move we've had. Mm. Um, these places on Brentine, although he is an emotional support animal, they're still not. The landlords are still not allowing him inside the hose. I don't understand why he's not destructive. Uh, and I guess I was hoping you could give me like steps to work on because. I have been able to desensitize him. It was hard work, Tom, as I said, to trucks, to horses, to buggies, because he used to be reactive to all of those things also, and now he's not. So I said, well, why, what is it about the bicycle? For some reason, we just can't get on top of it. And now the landlords are threatening, um, the the, the landlord said to me when he brought over his pant leg to show me that he bit his pant leg, um, He said that um, he wanted to know how much liability insurance I have on the dog. Mm -hmm. And um, so then he, I asked him if he'd be willing to work with me. I don't have, there's no men here, and he does have a little bit of a thing with men. And I could tell you a quick story about something that happened a year ago, and I think that's why. But um, anyway, uh, so he was working with me. I gave him some cut up pieces of hot dogs. And he was throwing the hot dogs to to Ruger. And I would ask him to come just one step closer. But Ruger was on the chain still, so he Mm. couldn't actually him. We were doing that. And then for some reason, I don't know why the landlord did this. He reached his hand out to pet Ruger. Ruger did not bite him, but he barked. He gave that real intense, you're in my space, get away from me, dude. Type of art, and then um, he started. The, the landlord thought that funny. I didn't think it was very funny. Um, so uh, a year ago, we were gone. But we, we were gone to church. When we came back, something had happened. They, they, somebody or a group of youth, got into the washroom where he is because he was he somehow bl- broke out of his crate. He's a very strong crate. He broke out the bottom of the crate. The washroom was an absolute mess. He was extremely um, out of breath. He was freaked out. We, the the landlord said they didn't hear anything, but they had a lot of people over, a lot of kids over uh, from their church, their almost church. The children just run all over the place. I did set boundaries with them that this we're renting this side of the house. It's a duplex. So We're renting one side of the duplex. The landlords are on the other side. We have a small piece of yard. And I, I had told them that, you know, you, you've got to keep your people out of this side of the house. It's not fair to my dog or us. They deny anybody came in. I didn't have a camera set up at that time, so I couldn't see what, what went on. But something happened. And ever since then, he has not liked men. And uh, they also stole some adult beverages from our refrigerator. So I think it was youth that came in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. Have- Refrigerator in that room, uh, uh, overflow fridge, and uh, we noticed a couple of adult beverages were missing. So uh, um, ever since then, we've had an issue with him. So I confronted some of the youth, and they all denied coming in or bothering him at all. But he's not; he hasn't been quite the same towards men since then, or children. Mm-hmm. Now I my grandchildren, and they they're terrified of him. Um, if they if, they, uh, make, if I'm holding one of my grandchildren, I have uh, an eight-month-old. That's the youngest grandchild. I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old. If I'm holding the eight-month-old in my arms and she makes eye contact with him, he'll bark very aggressively at her, and then she cries. Uh, the, the, uh, the toddler uh, can throw uh, hot dogs to him, and so can the six-year-old, but they just can't get real close to him. He has like a boundary line he'll allow people, which is about three feet from him if they get any closer. So, okay. So you're basically saying it's a hopeless situation unless I change the environment?
1: No, I just, I I don't think that. I'm just saying right now, I, I don't think that you're in a position to have some of the expectations that you have of I want him to bark when I think he should bark, but I want him to understand when, when he, when I don't want him to bark, because I, I, like I said, I just don't think that you have that control. Like
2: quiet. I want him to be quiet. He normally does. Yeah. Okay. It,
1: so let's it, back up a little bit. What is, what is your biggest problem? Let's, let's start there.
2: Racing, jumping, freaking out when a bicycle comes by.
1: Okay. So if you go out and you put him on the prong collar and a leash and you correct him, how does he react?
2: I've never done
1: that. Okay. So let's start correcting him for the behavior that we don't like, that we don't want to see. And so making sure that your, your prong collar placement is, is right where it needs to be right behind his ears. And you have at least, um, I would say a four foot leash would be good. Six feet be a little long, but making sure that you correct him when he does this. So if you can spend time with him outside, like you said that you can, which is great. You can go out put his stuff on and you know when it's going to be a busier time or when it's not. And you have to just go out and start correcting him for this behavior when he, when he does it. And you might have to sit down on the porch with him for a little bit until you get a good rep in a couple reps in, go out there and stand or whatever you need to do. But you have to be able to make it clear to him that the barking and lunging and the reactions or the behavior that he's exhibiting is, is inappropriate. And you don't you, you don't want it. And you have to make sure that you're marking it with your voice. So you're saying, leave it. And you're correcting. That's, that's the first step you have to do, but he's not ever just going to click and go, Oh, wait a minute. Like, I don't know what this is. I don't, I, I you know, he, he's not just going to do that. So that's what I would do is be a little bit more assertive with the situation and get his equipment on, go out there and hang out because right now he's not getting punished for the behavior that you don't like. Or the behavior that's not even that you don't like, I, I would agree that the behavior is unacceptable and it's going to make everything more stressful.
2: How do you separate the behavior, like the part of the behavior of the jumping and acting crazy, separate that from the barking? Because I'm a bit of barking, but not the behavior.
1: Um, well, it's the same thing. Like you have, to, you have to be very assertive with what you don't want. So if he's jumping, you're correcting the jumping. And, you know, if you want him if you don't care that he barks, then, but that's what I'm saying is, is I don't, you don't have enough control to distinguish those differences because okay. if he's getting to a point where he's going to bark outside by himself, tethered up to a pole, he's going to jump. It would be very weird and odd to see a dog sitting calmly and barking at somebody at the same time. That doesn't happen they okay. they jump they bark they spin they react they're pissed off they're frustrated but that's what i'm saying is is it, we, we it, 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 right from the beginning of this conversation it, there, there's there you. There's not realistic expectations here of what's going on. That's why it's been such a frustrating thing, probably for you, is because you you don't have that competitive control that you've been working with this dog that that much to have that control to say I'm okay with you doing this, but I'm not okay with you doing this because he's tethered up on a pole outside, and there's things that he doesn't like going constantly back and forth all day. And no, it, there's no accountability for his actions, so he's never going to change. It's just – that's what I'm saying is, is it's just going to make it worse.
2: Okay. So let me ask you this, Tom, because I don't think he will be reactive like that if I'm with him. It usually only happens when I'm not with him, when I'm inside washing dishes or whatever. Um, so okay. that's why – as fast as I
1: can. So when you're out, so this is the important piece that you might be not doing is you have to make sure that you're marking this behavior with whatever you want it to be. So it's leave it or off or down or whatever, but you have to like, if you're out with him and he does all the things that you don't want him to do, he jumping, barking, whatever he does, then you would correct him and tell him to, to leave it. And you'd have to punish him somehow by, by doing that. And and then that way when you're inside and you say, leave it or whatever you decide to use, it should be transferable. But if he's not reacting, it, it would be hard for me to believe considering how reactive that he just was on that leash, that if you walked outside, he would just lay down and be calm. I, I,
2: yeah. Uh, what he does, uh, let me try. I wish I could videotape this. Um, but what he does is that he'll like, uh, I'll say Ruger. I'll say good boy, thank you for the alert. And I'll say, come. And then he'll like run to me. And then he uh, will turn right around though and run back towards the bike. And then um, I'll say, Ruger, come. And he'll run back to me and I'll say, stay. Or I'll say down to try to divert him. I'll touch with my hands. Mm -hmm. All of that. And then, um, but I'll say stay. Sometimes he won't do the, he won't continue to stay. He'll get down, but then he'll stay for two seconds and then he'll go
1: back. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's, that's what I'm, that's, you don't want to do that because you're, you're rewarding him for barking and then you're also asking him to do a behavior he doesn't know well enough in that context to do. Like boom, boom, win, lose, 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 lose. Like every time, like when you go outside and he's barking, you go, good boy. Thanks for letting me know. Boom. He doesn't, he doesn't care that you just that that you're going to decide when it's okay and when it's not you just went out and you paid him for barking right so there's step 1 and then when he comes back and if you say come if he does come it's 60% 50% whatever he comes back and then you ask him to down maybe he will maybe he won't you ask him to sit maybe he will maybe he won't there's no accountability there just has to be more structure there that's what I'm that this is what I'm saying these are the these are the problems because that's that's what's going to set you up for failure the most is you have to he's not at you don't have that obedience to ask him to do those things What do I do? Well, you, what I would do is I would, I would get him on a long line. I would get him on his prong collar and I would spend some time with him outside and I would be working on the things that you want him to do to counter this reactivity. So again, if your down, isn't good. Don't ask him to down outside or off leash because it's a lose lose because you're saying, Hey, I want you to do something. He's saying, I'm not going to do it. And then he walks away, but you have to understand that the reason that he's reactive in the first place is not only from the frustration because of the environment that he's in, but he also doesn't have anybody telling him what he can and can't do because he's not taking anybody serious in his life because you, there's no accountability. So if you say Ruger, come, and he says no, and you say, okay, come again, Ruger, come, and he's like, no, and then he finally comes, you say Ruger, down, and he made down for two seconds and walks away, that's one of the main reasons he's probably continuing to bark is because he doesn't have any structure. He's got nothing, he's, nobody's in charge here. He's confused, he's 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 frustrated, he, but you got to get him back on the leash, and work with him and but don't ask him to do the things that he's not good at because that's that's going to take your relationship backwards
2: that makes a lot of sense um he's like two different dogs tom he'll be obedient when it's when i'm in the washroom with him and it's just him and i and um, i'm just working with him playing with him he will be very obedient on stay Down, all that, but it's when there's a distraction. Right, but that's
1: yeah, and that's common for most people with any dog. But that's the difference between basic obedience and advanced obedience. But that's that's the point: is you're taking very basic obedience and you're trying to apply it in a situation that is advanced. So there's levels to obedience. There's levels to control. That's the first thing I said to you is you don't have the control to, to have the realistic expectations that you want with him. And it's, and I'm still kind of hanging on that because that's, that's what I'm hearing and seeing because if you're inside of a washroom and you're got some food and you're like, sit down, stay heel and he does it great. But there's a big difference between your dog doing that in a clinical environment with absolutely no distractions with a currency in your hand versus you doing it outside with all this stuff going on. There's a, it's, it's, it's the difference between riding your bicycle for the first time and then entering the tour de France. There's years and years and years you know, that, that go involved with training the dog to get to that point. And that's what I'm saying is, is you're like, I want him to do, I I want him to bark, but only when I allow him to bark, I only, and then I want him to come and I want him to down. I want him to stay, but he doesn't, your first thing you said, he doesn't have. So you're, you're predicating all of your success off of a veneer of, of, of obedience, because if he's out and he's barking and he's distracted and you say Ruger come, he's not going to come boom, that's it. We don't, we don't continue training from there that if you can't get your dog to do it, like he's in an environment that you have no control with him in. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you don't have the, the advanced obedience to control him in the environment that he's in 90% of the time. So what you have to do is you have to go back down to the basics And if you in your head say, well, I'm just going to recall him to me and I'm going to put him in a down stay when he starts to bark, I don't, that's great. That's a, that's a first step. But my, but you know, and I know, and he knows that you don't have the obedience to do that yet. If there's a distraction, so that's where you have to start is go back down to that. Be- obedient. That's where you're frustrated the most. And that's why you're having so many problems and problems and problems and problems. Is because you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something else to happen. And it's, and it's, it's not going to. Okay. Do you know what I mean? So if I came over to your house right now and he's barking at me and I said, call him over to you. Oh, he's not going to come. He's too distracted. Next then we can't even, we can't even, we can't even, you see what I'm saying? So like the behavior of the dog and the problems that you're having with the dog is the external problem that you want to end because your landlord gets upset, right? You're like, this has got to stop. But the reality is, is everything that, that leads up to your dog actually reacting, you have no control over. So you can't, you can't work on that far off behavioral problem that you're having because your foundation doesn't exist.
2: Okay, so uh, what, what, what steps do I take? To do? So I'll do get a long line,
1: talk- yeah, get yourself a long line, even the one he has on, but y- you have to think in your head, okay, when Ruger barks, it, it sounds like you have, a, a, the big problem is going to be when Ruger barks when you're not inside or when you're not outside. So you have to think in your head, What are you going to do to get him to not do that? But so you, so the first thing you need to do is you need to start putting him back. You need to put him back on the leash. You have to, you got to like, again, like if I had Lakota, my personal dog who has been trained since she was six weeks, I could, I could bring her into environments and ask her to do stuff and she'll do it day in and day out without any equipment on because her obedience has been proofed. It's been tested. She's been doing it for a long time. Yada yada yada, right? And I'm not I'm not comparing the two, but what I'm saying is, is right now you have to think of a scenario of like, okay, if so, if Lakota was barking habitually, hysterically at something, right? Whatever it is, my obedience, and it doesn't matter why it's happening to me at this point. It's like, okay, she's barking at the squirrels, the birds, the person on the bike, the Amish, and the whatever it is. My obedience is good enough, where I can say Lakota, either come. Lakota down, Lakota uh, leave it or coda go to your bed or whatever. I'd, I, I would be able to manually control her no matter what she wants to do. Right? So that's what I'm saying is you have to think about, okay, well, when Ruger's barking, I just want him to stop. I want him to hush up. Okay. I get that. But you need, you need this. The, the obedience is like your school. So, Your school is your learning and your education. And the more you work with your dog, the more communication you have, the more education you have between each other, the more you know, the more you're like, okay, you know what this is, 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 you know what this is. And then when you get into a situation, you'll be able to pull all those things out of your back pocket and say, okay, you're barking, come Okay, you're you're what whatever it is, you have to be able to counter with. So get yourself a long line and 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 ask yourself when he's barking, this is what I want him to do. I want him to come. I want him to down, and I want him to stay. And that's just the the most basic thing that you could ask any dog to do under any context, whether they're barking or they're wagging their tail or they're licking kids' faces, you got to have come here when I say, lay down when I say, and stay there when I stay. And all of those things are very basic, but in your context, it's not basic. It's advanced obedience because I want you to recall off of the, th- the thing that you don't like the most of the bicycles, right? I want you to down, which is something that you may or may not do without whatever. And I want you to stay. Those three things are something that he's not really that great at right now. So that's what you have to do work on your recall, your down, and your stay. But the other thing that you can do, to be honest, that I think would be just as beneficial in conjunction with all of that stuff is use your, use your, your, your conditioning to teach him what's wrong. So if he's out there and he's bark, and again, like, you know, the busier times, you know, your capacity, if you want to go out there and hang out there for an hour or whatever, and there's people walking by and he starts, he's off of his, um, his his tie back there, he's on his long line with his prong collar and his safety clip clipped to his, his uh, flat collar. And he starts to bark and you'd say, Ruger, leave it. And then if he continues to bark, you would correct him and let him know, hey, that is inappropriate. That behavior that you're exhibiting right now on this very moment is not appropriate. And you're gonna tie it in with your verbal, leave it. So it means something. So it's not just, I can't bark maybe when, mom's around or whatever it is, right? You have to make sure that when you say something out of your mouth, you say, Ruger, leave it. It's, it's accountable. It's, you know, you're following through with this stuff. You really have to make sure that he understands that you mean it. And, and you have, you know, you, you have something that's going to reinforce it. That's the very first step that I would be doing because right now, if he's barking and you go out there and you holler at him and he just looks at you like, what are you going to do? That's the reason why he's, you know, the the solution of why he's barking is also the cause of why he's barking because the lack thereof.
2: Okay. All right. Um, I will work on that. Um, I, I have a couple other questions that I think that may, my daughter might have for you. I don't know if you do or not, Hannah. Uh, but uh, is, it, um, is it okay, is it safe and fair to walk him a mile uh, once or twice a day with the Herm Springer on, or is that too much?
1: No, you you can totally do that, and and, and I would encourage you because of the circumstances to exercise this dog as much as you can. Um, the Herm Springer is just a a communicative tool that helps you power steer through and navigate. It's a reinforcement, right? So it, it helps you it helps you enforce things, and it also can help you really teach the dog what you want to do. But again, like the prong collar is your communication. Okay. But what you really want him to do is, especially when you're on a walk, it's going to be heel and it's going to be break. Those are the only two things that you're doing. So when, when you have the any type of tool, the prong collar or whatever you're using, that just helps you hold the dog accountable if they decide not to listen. But let's go way back to the foundation. His heel has to be good enough to ask the dog to do in those environments. And that's where a lot of people make these mistakes is we have a question of, can I wear, can the dog wear a prong collar for two miles? Sure. That doesn't matter. But, but the real question is, is what is your dog doing on that two mile walk? You know, how much, how much engagement, how much are they listening? So the answer is yes, they can do that. But I mean, it, Yeah, they can. You can wear it. That's fine.
2: Okay. Um, I only walk him at night when there's no one around. I mean, there's there's wild animals. He did get in a fight with a skunk once. (laughs) Fun. Yeah, that still smells. But um, as far as there's, there's no people. They all go to bed at nine o'clock. So Mm -hmm. I walk him. I just it's dark but uh, and i do that to just have work on my relationship with him and my communication with him and then i periodically stop and let him have a break you know let him smell around sip around i have a six foot lead a leash attached to the uh, herm springer and then after i'll give him two three minutes to smell around uh but i am a little nervous because he's very powerful and he could use me as a sled, make me a sled if he wanted to. Uh, but the Herb Springer has given me the confidence that I've needed to be able to do this. I, even with the gentle leader, I did not have the, I did not have the control I needed to take him on walks. Um, so I haven't tried yet to take him anywhere where there would be a lot of people. Um, well, actually, no, I did. I did take him to a farmer's market once. I did put a muzzle on him just to make sure, but he's never bitten anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kids run up to you and things like that. So I, I didn't know what he would do. Mm-hmm. So as a disability protector, but I did take him and he did really well. He stayed by me. He sat by me. Um, he wasn't trying to get away from me. Um, and I did have treats. So I would occasionally report, pay him for his, for his obedience. Um, but uh, other than that, I have not been taking him into areas where there are people. Cause I don't want to frustrate him. Mm-hmm. And, more of him than what's reasonable. So, um, that was a question. And then also, uh, I know this is down the road for me, but how do you, uh, or do you ever wean your dog off of their herb springer where they could just, well, I know they could heal off leash, but how do you start to, um, weed him off the mm-hmm. herb springer?
1: Yeah. So it, 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 those two, kind of topics go together. And and again, it comes back down to the prong collars, your enforcement behind your verbal. So if you say heal and the dog doesn't heal, that would be your ability to hold the dog accountable to teach them, Hey, you gotta, especially if they're, like you said, like they're sledding you around and it's dangerous. And that's why this equipment is made to make it safer for people to walk their dogs. But again, like the, to answer your question, you can take every. Like I was just telling you with Lakota, I can, you can take everything off your dog once they know what you want them to do well. But you're not focusing on the heel and the in the break. It sounds like you're, he doesn't know what that is. So that's what I, that's my, kind of my point is when you're out and you have a question of when can I start taking the equipment off. Y- the only way you're ever going to get to that point is when you start teaching the dog what you want them to do on the leash. So if you're using the prong collar every now and then to kind of just pull the dog back when they drag you, that's not going to teach the dog how to walk nicely. The-
2: oh yeah, we're working on that. He does pretty good uh, with the with the heel. Of course, um, he. the longer I, I go on, on the walk, like halfway through the walk, um, I do have to do more pulling back. But uh, um since I am disabled and I have mobility issues, I try to walk as fast as I can because I know dogs normally walk faster than people. Um, But then there's times where I have to slow down, like if I'm going down a hill or if I'm just getting too tired or my knee gives out on me or something. And that's where I have a little bit of a problem with him is slowing down to my my speed because he wants to go faster. Um, So I also wanted to find out About every, I'm guessing, about every, uh, oh, five minutes, four or five minutes or so, I let him have a break.
0: Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Is that that fair? Is that what you would recommend you do when you're expecting to heal? Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, you should be able to, I mean, realistically, again, like it's the same thing we're talking about with the barking outside or whatever. Whatever you say should go. I mean, you should just have control and, you know, a lot of dogs need that. and That's why we use some of the some of the methods that we do with punishment and operant conditioning to make dog. Like if you if you tell a dog to heal and they just don't, and they drag you down the road. It's like, you know, they're they're not going to be like, oh, sorry. Like they just don't care. You have to be able to snap them out of whatever they're in to teach them. So, oh. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yep. Hannah, do you have a question? To. Just speak up. What about? Well, you just asked. Could when- you see? Him? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. Um,
3: I just had two questions. One was when we're healing him. Um, so we always make him sit by the door, and then we go out first, and then we call him to come out. It's like a safety feature for my mom, so he's not like yanking her out the door. Mm-hmm. But um, when we tell him to come, he goes full force. Like he, like will just dash out of the door. And so I'm just wondering how we can start helping him to just nicely get up and walk out the door. It's like this dash he does, real fast.
1: Yeah, I would. um, It's one thing I was going to recommend for you guys, just in general, is to work on your thresholds and make him really wait for your okay before he goes out of doorways because one thing that he's probably not getting enough of is mental stimulation. So it's good that you guys are getting him out and you're walking him and you're playing fetch and you're playing frisbee and all that stuff, but you want to make him think too because all of that stuff is pretty mindless for dogs, right? You get a frisbee, you get a chuck it. I mean, I I do it all, I do it every day with my dog, but you also need to make him think too. So my point is, is I would put him on a leash and I would work on that threshold. Like when you tell him he can break through whatever barrier he's in, you would catch him at that threshold and make sure that you have the ability to give him a break. So when you're working with him and on, in any circumstance, you have to, you got to put that, your leash is like your very beginner, A, B, C, D, E, F, G type thing where you put the leash on the dog and you teach them what is appropriate what's not what's right what's wrong it's your it's your whole communication so uh i would recommend putting the leash back on and teaching him how to walk nicely through that one doorway that he's bolting out of
3: okay okay and then my other question was when we're going places arm just this
2: up.
1: yeah I can
3: call <laughs> my arms get tired uh, when we when we're going places and i strap him into we have like this little seatbelt thing in the car so when I when I get into the car and I go to strap it on his collar, he always rolls around, he'll twist twists mm-hmm. his head, he like kind of like does like a back roll. Mm-hmm. And every single time that I have him get in the car on the feet and I try to go clip it on his collar. It's like this big ordeal. I'm wondering what I should. Nodded. Yeah, I'm wondering what I should do about that behavior. When I would like if he could just get in and I could just go and clip the thing onto his collar, but he always does this weird like roll around don't you tell him to lay down and say yeah i tell him to go down but he still like rolls you've seen it oh while rolls, he's down while he he's down Yeah, so you, you want him to just be still yeah
2: what happens if you just said still because he knows that command
3: he doesn't
2: usually he doesn't
1: listen do to me okay. oh yeah i i would um i would well it, you you'd have to troubleshoot a little bit on on what's gonna work but instead of like when you get it, when you get into a situation where you're you're asking a dog to like do something with a lot of, I don't want to say stress, but like a lot of pressure, where it's kind of like this anxious, like we're we're loading up to go somewhere. There's a lot going on. You know, we're getting ready to go. I think I would be careful about how much um, obedience that you give him. So if you ask him to down or you ask him to sit, like I would, I would just get like treats, and I would take take my hand and I would hold my hand. I put a couple treats in there and I'd have him work the treats out as I'm clipping him up. So he's stationary. So instead of like trying to fight him and try to grab him and wrestle with him, because that's normal, I think for dogs is they're like, don't clip me. Don't do this. Don't do that. And I think if you can give him an alternative of again, kind of like what we were talking about this whole time is what do you want him to do? Well, I want him to just sit still enough where I can hook this thing onto him. And like you were saying is if he doesn't do that for you as much as we think like, Oh, if I tell him to still, but again, like when we're, when we're using obedience or behaviors in realistic context, when we're saying, Hey, I want you to do a sit or a down or a still in reality, and they don't do it. You might as well not even try to say it because it's, it's just not going to work. So just try to work smarter, not harder. I would get a thing of treats, I would load him up. I would do this and he'd be doing this. He'd be nibbling the treats out of your hand and then you because he's station he's going to sit there and focus on those treats. And then you can clip him up. But what I would do is do this often. So don't just do it once a week, twice a week. When you're doing it, I would I would teach him and you could reinforce the the still like behavior if you want or the cue where you get him up, he puts his hand in there, you clip him, you wait 5 seconds, you unclip him and you break him out. And then you put him I would put a leash on. Put him in, get your treats. He eats the treats. You clip them, you hold there, good, good still, whatever you want to mark it. You kind of stand back and then you let him out and then you do it again. And continuing to, same thing with the threshold that I was talking about. Like if he has a hard time bolting out of doorways or bolting towards people or whatever, don't just try to work on it that one time or that two times that you're doing it throughout the day. I would do it, like, do it 10 times. Like, Bring him out the door, bring him back in and do it again. Bring him out the door, bring him. Same thing I was telling your mom, like when you guys are working on that reactivity, when you get that long line and you get that prong collar on and you go outside, it would be Ruger come. And then if he didn't, you would give him a little bit of pressure. You'd you'd give him a little pop. He'd come to you, you'd pay him, you'd give him a break. But these are things that you should be working on for like 10 minutes at a time throughout the day. So that way when you go and use it, he's already done it. 50 times that week and he's like, yeah, I know what to do. And then it's fair when you correct him, but don't just wait for that moment. Oh, he's barking. Let's go out and hook him up. Like you want to practice all of this before it happens. Okay.
3: Um, you,
2: you need both hands though to connect it, right? So what does he recommend if you need? Both yeah. Hands?
3: So when I go to clip on, I usually, I usually grab his Collar, and then I grab the thing that I'm clipping. So usually I have both hands holding. Somewhere. Why
1: are you okay? Why why are you grabbing the collar?
3: Usually, the, because of what he, what he does with all his roll around, I grab the collar to keep him steady. Right. So, I,
1: so if you replace the because if you grab him. And then he's like, oh, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of this. Like that's the problem. So if you replace that grab with some yummy whatever you want to use." his head will go boom right into your hand and he'll stabilize himself as he's eating things out of your hand and you and and I would just hold it so he has to work it out like put food in your hand or kibble or treats or whatever so he has to lick and chew and try to get it out don't just do this because it's going to take 2 seconds it's going to be gone i'd put it yeah. in your hand make like kind of like this little thing and then he's got to work it out and that will replace your you stabilizing him like You'd get in there. He'd be, he'd be sniffing around. He's like, oh, what's this? You put your hand here. He goes, Zoom! and he he puts his snout right there. You take your other hand. You clip his harness, and that would replace that. True. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think those are the questions
1: that I have. Okay. okay
2: cool. Well, thank you so much, Tom. Um, of course, I could keep you for four hours. and yeah. I bought a. It- um I did want to just ask you one uh, after we get the long lead and uh, that taken care of and we work on the state, the commands and, and the relationship. Uh, What would be the next step after I do that to, um, to uh, I I don't know. Well,
1: what, yeah, I understand. So, There's a couple things. I think you should be working on the recall. I think you should be working on the. Your overall goal is is for him not to bark at these things anyway. So, to me, I would be doing. I would I would be toggling between many different things throughout the day. So, if he's out on your long line, it would be Ruger. Come, he'd come to you, and then you would do your place and your down and your stay. So you'd get like a little cot out there for him. Um, They make them super cheap, thirty bucks off Amazon. You can leave it outside. You'd say come. You'd say place. You'd say stay. And then that would remove him from the situation that is making him bark because there's kids or whatever on a bike that he can see. The other thing that I would be doing if I was out there is I'd be hanging out there with him. And when he barked, I'd say, leave it, and I'd correct him. And so your overall goal is to be able to, just like you did with the other things it sounds like, is once you correct him for barking just because they're bikes and they're going by, and then when he stops barking, you would pay him. So that way he doesn't bark. And so you're teaching him that barking is bad and not barking actually gets him paid. So you're trying to reverse the role, but you're not going to be able to be successful with that if you don't really work him mentally throughout the day as well, because he's just going to get bored. And then the boredom is then going to lead to the reactivity. And the reactivity has nothing to do with the bikes or the skateboards or the harness or whatever you're dealing with. It's just because he's bored. So I think if you mentally work him on the things that I was just talking about with the thresholds and the sits and the stays and teaching him new stuff. He's going to be less likely to go and react. I would, I would say that if you can spend an accumulative of an hour a day training him, he's going to be a happier dog. And I would opt out of maybe that physical exercise and work on mental exercise as much, just as much because that's, what's really probably causing at least 30% of this reactivity is boredom and frustration, so it okay. would be accumulation of mental stimulation because that's big in this equation. It's going to be your basic obedience because right now we don't have good enough obedience to counter the behavior we don't like. So it'd be working on, okay, he's barking. What, what do you want? You don't have any, there's nothing, you you got nothing. You're just reaching for thin air like, well, I want him to come, but he doesn't know come in this context. We haven't worked on it. I want him to down. Well, he doesn't, there, you got to work on those things. And then the other thing is just correcting him right now from 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 my understanding is he hasn't been punished for this behavior ever because we haven't been able to time it so i would go out with your regular 6 foot leash with your prong collar and your safety clip and once he barks ruger leave it correction if he stops barking you pay him and you teach him and then over time your voice is what's making him come and down and stay and leaving it it's it's and then you're in for, then what happens with the prong collar and everything else that we use is it enforces right so we're like hey if you don't listen, there's gonna be punishment. And over time, he's gonna just like with kids, it's just like with people, it's just like with adults, with human behavior, we learn through operant conditioning. If we make a mistake, there's potentially going to be a consequence. And it doesn't matter if it's eating too many bananas or it's not running as much as you should, or whatever it is, right? Or 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 criminal activity. If there's not consequence, it's anarchy, and dogs need consequences, they need boundaries, they need structure, and right now, he's doing something that you don't like, but he hasn't been punished on time yet, so therefore, he's never really going to come out of that, this is what I want to do until you do that.
2: Well, thank you so much, Tom, for your time. question is, do you think he would ever be a candidate uh, for coming up for a room and boy. Please.
1: Yeah. It would be lovely because that's really what he needs is he needs structure. And that's kind of what I was telling you in the beginning is, is this is a dog that would shape up really, really quickly, really, really nicely given the right opportunity in an environment right now. Hey, I have a two-year-old German shepherd on a back tie with a bunch of things running around him and he's frustrated and That's, I mean, it's just, it's an equation that makes so much sense to me and it would be pretty cool to see how much he would learn and grow from being in a different environment. And to be honest, it's, you know, this doesn't normally happen, but being in the kennel in our board and train environment would be less stressful for for him than the environment he's, he's in currently. So I think that that would be a great idea in the future.
2: Okay, I'm going to start saving up for that and working on that, and I think it would be helpful for everybody. And um, then, yeah, I think that that's cool. all. I, mean, I could keep you forever. But that's not fair to you. Mm-hmm. You're. A, I love your videos. I want to thank you for doing free videos on YouTube, so people who um, are having a tough time can still. Learn, and i've done all, most of my training with him because of your videos just try to follow what, what you do
1: <laughs> i'm happy i'm very happy for you and i wish you the best of luck and just keep just keep at it and and you know you'll you'll see a, a, pro- a progress for sure
2: okay. well thank you tom and You're i welcome. love them lot I really don't want to have to put them down that would break my heart
1: yeah give them to me before you put them down i'll take them
2: Okay, Tom. Thank you so
1: much. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, and I am going to be answering at least three of your dog training questions. If you want me to answer your dog training questions, all you have to do is head over to the iTunes review chart, leave a review, and leave your question. All right. This question comes from dcarp44. Love the podcast and YouTube videos. Hey, Tom, your approach to dog and people training really makes these challenge, challenging. People are facing approachable. Other, wow, sorry guys. Other <laughs> other overcomplicated things and your, your knack to keep it simple. Is truly effective. I have an 11-month-old Boykin Spaniel and have been working with the Tom Davis 280C the past five months. He's fixed, and I've had him for about eight weeks. I'm struggling with reliable recall. He is good with limited distractions, but I have a hard time regaining his focus once he's fixated on something. When it's appropriate to increase the stem level. When is it appropriate to increase the stim levels when we are out on walks and hikes? His condition responds to a four inside with limited distractions, new places, or other dog big issues. It's tough to see where the increase is because sometimes he responds to a seven or eight, and sometimes it needs to go up to the 20s. Um, well, first of all, uh, thank you for the review. Second of all, um, all of this is covered in my, in my uh, course, and I'm not constantly trying to push my course. You guys, you just have to understand that I have answered... So many of these questions, so many times, and it's still really good questions and it's still very valuable for you guys. But just know that I created a course so I don't get burnt out and uh, not want to talk about it anymore. So uh, I would highly recommend looking into the course that I spent months on developing every single little piece of the remote caller training and how to do it, including this question. But when is it appropriate to increase the stim levels? It's when he's not listening and he knows the, the, the e-collar well. So when he's not responsive to your e-collar and he knows it well, that's when you go up. And again, this is a conversation that probably would normally take 45 minutes to really answer. But again, conveniently, I have <laughs> made a very, 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 very in-depth, multi-layered dog training remote collar course, just for you. So I would go and check that out. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the review. Cassidy Shoop. five-star review. Hey Tom, I followed you on Instagram for a while now and just recently recommended your podcast by a coworker. I work at an animal shelter and I've always been super interested in dog behavior. And I had some issues with my own dog who I was adopted when he was a puppy or she, she was, she shown signs of resource guarding and animal aggression since she's two months old. So I have to assume some of the genetic genetics considering i have no idea where she came from here's one of the main questions i have for you i have an american bully amstaff mix she is two years old she's fixed she grew up around my cat and other two two other dogs she's gotten old as she's gotten older she's gotten more possessive over objects like food toys and our bed not with people but with other animals especially with our cat whenever my cat jumps on our bed nova the dog is already laying on the bed and she growls if the cat gets close enough and she will even go after the cat she never made contact with her cat but she has a couple times where I've woken up to Nova chasing my cat off the bed, lunging at her. Obviously, this is very dangerous considering the strength and size and differences between the cat and the dog. Um, my main concern is I think I think my boyfriend and I may have accidentally made this problem worse. Our cat would walk by or jump on the bed, and Nova would growl, and we would correct Nova and tell her no. Same with her resource guarding food and toys. Now there are times when she jumps straight to going after her and trying to attack her whenever an animal gets near. I think by correcting her for growling, we have taught her that the appropriate corrections are not okay. So she jumps straight to the next attacking. Is this true? It could be true. I I get this question all the time. And I think growling is definitely a very innate primal thing. Um, Oh my freaking elbow. I love your podcast and teachings. So so I think the question is, is should we be correcting the growl? I think the growl again is like, to me personally, with a very just mindful, smart dog. I think that she's just realized that she's just not going to growl. She's just going to go straight for the cat. It's not going to make necessarily the things better or worse. All it's going to do is it's going to expedite when she goes after the cat. So she's just not going to growl anymore. She's just going to go. So it doesn't change the it. So the overall goal is the dog having a problem with the cat. So I think you're, you're overlooking the real problem because nothing would have changed. Rather, she, growls and then lunges, or she just lunges, that's the problem is actually going after the cat. So I think you just have to really understand that considering her with her age and whatever things are getting more intense. And so you're just going to have to do the best you can to really monitor their behavior together, especially when they're, obviously together. Um, and I would just try to deter the cat away from these situations because it is going to be dangerous. But I think overall, you also have to look at what you're putting your cat and your dog in, because if your cat, which my cat does the same thing, jumps on the bed every night to like get attention and get love or whatever. And you're also bringing up the dog and you know that this equation is going to happen every night. It's going to be easier for you to put the dog away because the dog is trainable and the cat is not bear with me on that. You know what I mean? So that's what I would do is I would say, Hey, look, my dog doesn't like my cat anymore. My cat is going to jump up on this counter or this bed or this couch during these circumstances. So instead of setting both of them up for failure and causing a lot of stress, what I would do is put the dog in a situation where you're not going to have that. So I hope that that, Helps, but that's what I would do because you you know it's a cat and mouse game that you're probably not going to get rid of because it's a terrier wanting to do terrier stuff, and so I would just try to manage the situation a little bit better because you know when these things are going to happen and you're allowing it to happen and then these boom, so just like I talked about in a lot of my other podcasts is is if you can take away a variable and it's going to make everything a hundred percent more successful, you should do it. I love the No Bed Dogs podcast and your realistic training advice. Sorry, let me back up. H. L a 93. I love the no bad dogs podcast and your realistic training advice. My question is, is it irresponsible to have a reactive dog on an e-collar? My dog is reactive towards other dogs. He is getting better at being non-reactive with the prong and he goes on walks. Um, I would have to, I would love to have him on the e-collar, but Oh, okay. You mean, is it, is it responsible to have a dog off leash? That's reactive. I would use the leash in prong instance, but, um, okay, I got it. So yeah, you can have your dog off leash. um, But you just have to make sure that, again, like, you know, that your dog is potentially muzzled if they're going to... There's a difference between reactivity and aggression. Like, if your dog is attacking other dogs, then you probably need to definitely have your dog muzzled when they're off leash because especially if you don't know where you're going to be at um, and you have to keep your dog kind of close because having your dog muzzled off leash is also a a danger in itself. But um, I would love to have e-collar trained for times when we are out hiking in open fields. Um, I worry having him off leash that there's going to be another dog. So I think again, like you have to outweigh your options of is your dog reactive or just aggressive? Because if your dog is barking at people and like, you know, whatever, I mean, that's not a big deal. I think that that's normal. I think that those things are going to happen. I think what you should be working on is your obedience over any, over everything. I think that that's the most important thing is recalling the dog, making sure your recall is good. Uh, And that's what the e-caller does is it gives you that off leash responsibility and that off leash freedom. And it gives you really, just that reliability, right? And that backup plan that just in case there is another dog or a squirrel or a chipmunk. So the answer is yes. Um, if your dog is just reactive, worst case scenario is is the other dogs get barked at. Um, but more importantly, I think that your overall um, recall should be good anyway. And you should be putting him into environments that your dog is gonna be successful in and not going to a place where there's gonna be a ton of dogs, right? But if you're hiking by yourself or your, your partner and you're out, And you you have a big open field, e-collar is going to be awesome for 90% of everything that you're going to be dealing with. And then there's that 10% of um, reactivity that you could also be using it for, for recall and stuff like that. So you can definitely do it. But again, like you already know having a reactive dog, you're going to be conscious and mindful of where you're bringing this dog and so on and so forth. So yeah, I think you can, no problem. Um, Hope you guys are well. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next Monday. Have a good night. Thanks again. If you want me to answer your questions, make sure you leave them in the review in the iTunes chart. Bye.
3: Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi or 7up all with your card.